Warning. The following is the officially sanctioned podcast about the show about four lifelong friends who compete to embarrass each other in public. You know the one. The official Impractical Jokers podcast. Summer season. Summertime. Welcome to the official Impractical Jokers podcast. My name is Casey Jost. I'm James McCarthy. We got Danny Green. Hey guys, what's up? And we have a special guest, Cole Weber, who is an associate producer for Impractical Jokers. Cole Von Cole. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Associate. I sorry. I I kind of stuttered on associate producer because you feel like so much more. Yeah, I mean, they wrote me into wearing many hats sometimes. <laughs> and this is exciting because in this, we're going to be talking about, you know, the first episode back for this hashtag summer season. Right. Which I've been called. It's, it's not a new season. It's no. just more. It's just new episodes, but they like to spice it up at True TV, right? Absolutely. The Green, you, you are the representative of True TV. I'm the network representative. I'm the suit here. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> so we're calling it summer season. Summer season. But. Cole, you are featured predominantly in one episode that's coming down the line, right? Yes, down the line. So I don't uh, want to give away too much. We can talk too much. Wait, about which that. episode? It's a punishment uh, involving Q. I'll say oh, that's all okay. we can say. Because he's so, in this episode too. You are in this episode. Yeah, I. Uh, they they talked me into acting as a as a famous comedian. Oh, we're gonna get into that one. Is that the first bit? That no, is. the first bit is I. If you're if the podcast is coming in late to you this morning. Or this evening, whenever you're loading it, it's because Casey went to the wrong building. <laughs> <That's> Casey, <true. laughs> our building is 747 on a New York Avenue and uh, in Suite 800. And Casey went to 800 on that avenue. Uh-huh. Did you go to Suite 747? I, I they, they just let me in. So <laughs> I went to this wrong address, I guess, because I just my I, I just follow my phone. I'm one of those people. And I get to the to the building, and the guy just he's like ID. He takes my ID. He takes probably all my information, <laughs> my credit card numbers, and everything. Probably he's probably playing me somewhere. And I went up to the 29th floor or something like that. It was where I was sent. I called Danny. He was like, "We're on the eighth floor." So then I go down <laughs> to the eighth floor. It is completely desolate. And then Danny goes, "Did you go to the wrong address?" And I said, "Yes, I must have." So, but it worked out well because I'm here and I got to get in on some coffee. Great. And we'll be also talking about a lot of stuff has happened since we've had our last podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, the Jokers have shot their movie. We had the Staten Island Museum opening. That's right. Uh, we had San Diego Comic-Con. It's been a busy wow. summer. It's been a busy, busy summer. summer. Yeah. So we can talk about, uh, oh, thanks. Yeah. And Muhammad, our new intern, new intern. is here. Busy Muhammad, summer. Go get up to the mic and say hello. What's up, guys? Right. Oh, Muhammad, I that. love that shirt. Radio voice. <laughs> Muhammad, you're wearing a Yellowstone National Park shirt, and I love it. <laughs> I feel like this is the new chic. I feel like <laughs> nature chic or like not even it's sort of like tourist chic. Mm-hmm. It's like the shirt that you bought when you went on vacation. You could like now wear to the club. <laughs> it's like cool again. <laughs> All right. Well, what should we jump for a dollar? What should we jump for a dollar in a thrift store? A do- oh, it's it a hasn't been to Yellowstone. Got it for a dollar. We talked about it. <laughs> is this true? I couldn't spend $20 at the $30 at the what? The park store. Yeah. So I have to go to the thrift store and get for 99 cents. That's smart. Why yeah, travel? Smart. Yeah. Save some money. Uh, Cole, what would you like to talk about first? Did you go to the, you went to the Staten Island Museum, right? I did. Yeah. I uh, I was running in late. I had to wrap some stuff up at the office, so I didn't see the the opening ceremonies. But oh. uh, yeah, it was, it was quite the event. There's tons and tons of people there, tons of um, loyal Impractical Jokers fans. Um, and then the exhibit was awesome by... 
uh, curated by Joe Imbergio, right? Yeah, that's yes, right. Joe, Joe Imbergio, uh, <laughs> comedy producer, famous uh, for um, well, first of all, his he's got a little white eyebrow, yeah. which he found a bunch of people on the internet talking about it, and and they described it as they asked. What's that yellow thing hanging off of, <laughs> hanging off of his eyebrow? That's so funny. So they think that it's so he has vitiligo, which makes your your skin and whatever hair is under it or over mm-hmm. it um, white. So that's kind of why his, his eyebrows like that. But I just say that it's his messed up eyebrow. And Joe <laughs> Joe Joe has a good sense of humor about it. It's not like we're teasing him behind his back. Yeah, oh, it's like Cindy Crawford's mole. You know, it, it makes him stand out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Handsome man. So yeah, he curated the museum along with like all the all the jokers. I would say that Q probably put in the most work. Mm-hmm. He you know he lives on Staten Island, which is yeah. two only two of the four do at this point. Um, and so Q is around more, and it's very good. Like there's a lot of details. It's not only just which it will if it was if it were just stuff from the show, I think that would be amazing because it's like original costumes. It's not like we made up new stuff. This is like original products. So like the the glasses. That are, have the mirrors on the side from um, like season one's like uh, or season two's product, oh, justice. right? Yeah. yeah, where you know Joe's puts on the sunglasses and it has the the, the mirrors that the, they're there and they're not like a redo. It's the actual ones from the show, right? And then there's also a lot of fun blurbs that like Joe Bergio and the other guys uh, wrote for each thing. It's great, and it's up for eight months, right? It's uh, through March of 2019 at the Staten Island Museum. I think it's simuseum.org. I kept telling <laughs> people it's there until March 19th. <laughs> it's March 2019. More or less accurate. March 2019. So get there before March Come 19th. Come to Staten Island. Come visit beautiful Staten Island. Uh, you oh. get to go to the Impractical Jokers Museum. You can go to, uh, what's the name of the pizza place? Oh, oh, oh uh, Ambrosino's. Go to Ambrosino's and get the Brian Quinn Slice. Ambrosino's now has the Brian Quinn, which is a uh, slice of pizza with hot cherry peppers. It's the full pie, baby. And they have, they'll probably have the turquoise ring by the time you get there. So you can go see some Impractical Jokers history. Yeah. It's kind of like a mini museum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A Palm visit museum. Beautiful Staten Island, New York. Did you like Cole? Did you like Staten Island when you were there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. <laughs> Cole's polite. He's from Wisconsin. He's yeah. just being very nice. <laughs> He's just like, there are no farms. It was only the second time I'd actually been there, so uh, no better reason to get down there, I guess. But um, I've heard many great things, mainly from people at the show. But It's weird how many people <laughs> who ha- work on the show, not only the guys, have lived in Staten Island at one point or still do. You know, many of the, for some reason, like even like Kelly um, Maxwell had like lived there for really? a little bit. Yeah, she, she does. She's like in charge of all the, coordinates all the people uh, who sign releases. Mm-hmm. You know um, what? For the museum, uh, Muhammad, my intern, had a very important job the last uh, a week or so before the museum opened. I'd been bugging the guys for probably six months to send me uh, old photos and video that we were turning into. You also some- bugged me. Just, I, I want you, just, just, not just the guys. <laughs> we could tell that story. In a, I'll tell that story in a second. I'll tell the story now. I gave, <laughs> about five months ago, I, I got a DVD from where the guys uh, from where the guys went to high school. In case he went to high school too, Monsignor Farrell, of the guys performing in improv and in plays. And say, Casey said, "Can I borrow it?" And I said, "Okay," but I need it for the museum. Just I need it back. So I kind of forgotten about it, and then I wrote to Casey. Uh, I don't know, about six weeks ago, hey, can I get that DVD back? And he's like, sure, it's in my house. I'll get it for you on Monday. And Monday calls, he goes, you know, it's not in my house. I moved. Maybe it's in my old place. Every day was another story, another excuse. It's yeah. at my parents' house. It's at my wife's house. And finally, <laughs> my wife's house. No, I live with my wife. <laughs> uh, it's at my wife's old house. My wife's old house. 
So finally, <laughs> I have so many houses. <laughs> yeah, Actually, the day the museum opened, at the opening, he found the DVDs and gave it to me. The day, so so I had never, I didn't have the chance to go to my parents' house, and you know this entire time, and I Facetimed with my dad. <laughs> To go through my my like childhood room yeah. to see if they could find it because I stored a lot of stuff there in between moving apartments, mm-hmm. and then I Facetimed with him, and he, which he's not very good at. In <laughs> fact, he like put the phone down so I couldn't see anything, and was like, "I don't see it, I don't see it." And then I walked in my my bedroom the day of the museum because it was on the island. I like stopped by my childhood house, and I like opened up a box, and it was right on top. Like it was the easiest. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, and so I brought it to Danny. And then what's this oh, is a, you know, a funny little end of the story. They took the DVD back. They cut this fun little like video of the guys not only doing improv, but Brian Quinn oh, no. with his shirt off, no. dancing and singing a song in a high school play. <laughs> we played it in front of all of the web and in San Diego no. at Petco Park. 10,000 oh, people. No. 10,000 people. Brian Quinn goes, that's not me. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's a different boy from that looks, I guess, a little bit like me. Uh-oh. From, yes. So we just like put that other boy on blast. <laughs> oh, it, it really was a different boy? It was not him. It was but, a different oh, dude. To be fair, it looked exactly, it looked exactly like Brian. And on the DVD that came from Monsignor Farrell, it said Brian Quinn performing in On the Town. He might have been in it. Wow. He might, well, th- like, he might have been in the play at some point, but you guys just found that. And it was like, what was funny is... No, no, it was only the only thing they sent were the two scenes from the show oh. of, of Q and Murr. It wasn't the whole play. It wasn't the whole play. Wow, I can't believe they had the technology to like, I don't know, burn a VHS and then, <laughs> and then put select that one scene. The other thing is it did look like him. And the amazing thing was that it was like what it seemed like Brian Quinn doing a belly dance, which is a combination of two things, like Joe Gatto's belly dancing punishment and Brian Quinn doing it. Yeah. It would have be, been, it was be epic. Insane. But it, it just wasn't him. So 10,000 people just watched some 15-year-old shirtless boy that they don't know laughed at him. <laughs> Imagine if that kid showed up. He's like, hey, you know, I went to high school with these guys. I'd love to go support them. You know, I'm out here with bring your family. Let go. And then you get there and 10,000 people just laughing at you. Yeah. Yikes. Joe would be kicked off of every anti-bullying platform. <laughs> well, oh, man. Mohammed. Uh, sitting next to me, just got coffee. Thank you, Muhammad. Thank you. You he, love this dude. You've been talking about Muhammad all day. <laughs> what the hell's going on? He, about three days before the museum opened, I was looking for the video, thinking that you're never going to find it. So maybe Murr has a copy. Murr said he had a copy. So we sent Muhammad out to Murr's house on Staten Island, with Murr's okay, to search through his uh, basement, I guess, to see if he could find the DVD. And Murr who's always kind of looking for the advantage, made sure we brought... What did he have you bring, Muhammad? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? He brought, you, you brought food. Pastries? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have to get, like, cannolis and all that stuff. <laughs> for, like, the family? For the family, I yeah. I not anything about, very like, sweet. Italian pastries or anything. I just, like, went there, like, give me some stuff. Sounds about right. Yeah. So he brought the pastries, got out there. We found about 40 mini-DVs and VHSs, found a copy of Subway, his second film after Damned. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's exciting. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, horribly frightening, <laughs> but also exciting. Uh, his graduation VHS. Uh, he was what? Saluted, salutatorian? Yeah. I salutatorian. Yeah. Salutatorian. So we found his speech, a bunch of other things, but did not find the uh, DVD that was actually at your house. Yeah. Well, this is interesting because we we got a text last night from yeah, Murr. we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this. So Murr... At, at this point of doing the show so long has become like paranoid. 
Yeah. And he's constantly texting us and, and assuming that something that he sees in his life is actually a punishment. Yeah. So if he's doing videos for like his book, like, you know, people who buy his book, they he get they get like a video message from Murr. Right. So he has thought that several times some of the messages were or some of the requests were so insane. It only could have come from us, the producers or the guys. Right. And now this has happened. So basically, if you buy enough copies of Awakened, uh, he'll make a video message. This has happened where Joe Gatto has uh, put in some messages uh, that he requested for Murray to make right. that were ridiculous. Joe didn't actually buy any of those copies of the book. He just like went through Murray's uh, personal assistant and <laughs> yeah. like had them in there. I think he probably That's bought one, you know, for posterity. I'm not, I know he but, did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did. But Murray has been, he's paranoid now. He's Should kind of like living, in, he's kind of living in his own Truman show, I think. <laughs> he, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's, there's two things. It's paranoia, but it's also narcissism, for sure. <laughs> he thinks everything is about him. So we get a text last night that's like just like a screenshot of something, and he writes such an odd bio, so many jokes in the credits. What an odd teaser trailer, advertising nothing. And also, so this is eleven at night. Me and Casey are both confused. I'm guessing he's still in California. Maybe he's on California time. Yeah. Right now. So maybe 8 p.m. over there. I have no idea what he's talking about. And he writes, clearly a punishment on impractical jokers. And I was like, what is happening? What are you talking about? And James and James writes, or that was you. You wrote clear as day. But James uh, Murray goes, well done with the layers of jokes, gentlemen. No chance in hell this isn't a punishment for me. The more you dig, the funnier the reference get. I'll give you get. I'll give you that. He assumes that some thing that he found online is a punishment for him. Isn't that narcissistic? Yeah. <laughs> uh, on a side text, Casey texted me, "I'm legit worried." I said, "I think I am too." And then I got a FaceTime from Murray. Yeah. And I was like, I got to pick it up. I was assuming I was going to answer and he'd be on the ledge of a building somewhere, <laughs> lost, looking for help. He's like, I know this is what I have to do. And I found James in, I think, a hotel room just being like, you guys got me really good. And I'm like, James, me and Casey have no idea what you're talking about. He thinks that we made a fake movie and basically catfished him into doing like a promo for the movie or that was like our awakened request. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, James. This is way too deep for us. We haven't gotten this many layers uh, to like to make a punishment for you. I wish that we did, but it's not. He's like, all right, McCarthy, I know it's you. <laughs> I know it's you guys. I'm like, so maybe it is the greatest punishment of all is that he can't live his life right now because he thinks he's constantly being punished. Cole, like on days of Murr punishments, does he try to get information from you? All the time. He'll straight up ask you. And, and being your boss, you kind of... You second guess because, like, you don't want to lie to him, but then you want to lie to you him. You have to lie. <laughs> yeah, That's the so. thing. We have to lie to our bosses constantly. All the so time. it really breaks down communication when you <laughs> when you have to be honest and they don't believe you. And you're like, no, this is not a punishment for you. Well, they, and then they think it is. Sometimes there's, like, little parts of a punishment that are a secret. You know, like maybe a little, uh, you know, the button on the on the punishment, the ending is a secret. But they know about most of it and they don't know about some of it. So you're constantly conscious of, of what you're allowed to say and what you're not. Mm -hmm. uh, and it goes all the way to like what you write on our, our calendar, like our board, um, you know, making up fake names for punishments, um, code right. names and stuff. Always keeping it a secret from the guys. Yeah. Well, this yeah. punishment in this episode, we're about to jump into the episode. The punishment is great. The whole episode is great, but we're going to have to take a little break and come back and we're going to discuss the whole kitten caboodle. We'll be right back. And we're back. All right. So Cole Weber, you are uh, an associate producer on the show. What does that mean, and how'd you get that job? 
Well, um, basically, I mean, I answer to the producing department. So there's there's Chase, who's a producer. And yeah, people and, know Chase. He's very attractive. Of course. Uh, and then Bozak, who's also very attractive. And I think that's, I think you fit in. That. I don't know. <laughs> but he's an executive. So I, I take a lot of direction from them, but it's, it's kind of the, the producer's job to collectively take what the, what you guys give us. Uh, they come up with these crazy games and ideas and bits and, and it's our job to kind of figure out the nuts and bolts, like make them come to life. Um, yeah, you work with other, you work with all the department departments. Right. So you have to work with the costumes and the um, uh, artistic departments. You have to work with the locations mm-hmm. because, you know, part of it. that's right. That's a big thing. You guys were hand in hand location. Mm-hmm. They find a place, they find fairway market. And you're like, we're going to play this game where they throw fruit across the thing or whatever. Yeah. And you, you try to figure out where, as far as a location goes, is the most feasible for that game creatively. Um, as well as with, like you said, art, you know, what kind of makes sense in this world. Uh, and it, it's our goal to just put the jokers in the best scenario possible for it to not only be believable for like a Mark or someone who's, um, you know, in that weird situation, but also mm-hmm. what is funniest for the guys. Mm-hmm. Um, do you also have to deal with budget? Like do, do the people like the line producers and stuff be like, you only have this much money to do this all the time. Wow. Allie Lane, Allie Lane. Yeah. She's, yeah. Uh, we got to suck up to her quite a bit sometimes. Um, but but yeah. so is she like you have X amount to pull off this punishment? It always depends. I mean, it depends if uh, we tend to spend more on, on punishments or, you know, the bigger the payoff, the more we're willing to spend, obviously. Um, but, yeah, things seem to be getting tighter sometimes and you try to make do. You cut corners where you can, but we definitely spend more if it's a if it's a big, big punishment. Is there is like a network overage? Is that a thing? I remember like early seasons, I would always, I'd feel like I used to be a little bit more involved with like every side of it mm-hmm. back in the day. And uh, I remember the Joker's always being like, what about this thing? But that'll be big. If it's big enough, we can get a network overage. I know there's an overage because yeah. I hear people complaining about it all yeah, the time. There yeah, <laughs> there's a few asks in this yeah. year for overages. I love a little, yeah. I love the word overage. <laughs> What's the most expensive punishment that you've done? I mean, one of the more recent ones, uh, I believe it's aired. <laughs> uh, we did Thunder Down Under. Yep, that which was like that's a great example. I mean, it was a great punishment, um, a pretty big spectacle uh, where we had Murr going on stage and dancing in front of hundreds and hundreds of, you know, women mm-hmm. who are expecting to see. And Joe Ambrosio, he was in the audience. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but dancing uh, in front of all these women alongside these very very muscular, attractive men, and and something like that, you know, you might not realize it, but you gotta you go through the the venue the I think we did it at Gramercy. Theater. Yeah, Gramercy Theater, and so that's an that's an expense. And then you're trying to sell tickets and make sure you sell enough to like make your money back. Um, you're you're handling the logistics of getting that act to come at this theater at the right time. Mm. Um, there's a lot of nuts and bolts that go into it, and and uh, it equates to money. So yeah, there was a few other things like that. That's an expensive one for sure. Also, those histamines aren't cheap. Yeah, and you got to throw dollar bills at Murr when he's on stage. Right, all those dollar yeah. bills. Yeah, it was fifty thousand dollars. Overage, overage. Yeah, making uh, it rain overage. I think that the pinata suit was very expensive. I think I remember. There's a few things Will Thaxton had said that were were expensive to create, mm-hmm. and that adds because usually we're creating those things for a punishment. Um, I'm, I'm blanking now. There were, yeah. there were some expensive ones, I think before your time. What season did you start? Six. So fairly yeah. recently. 
That gets expensive, and also insurance gets expensive. So, like, oh, right. jumping out of a helicopter is yeah. expensive because if they die, it costs a lot of money. <laughs> costs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't you we— know, The funeral, all that. My favorite insurance story, didn't we, um, with the pirate ship, where yeah. we made we made <laughs> Sal drink— Yeah, uh, breast milk. Breast milk. Yeah. There was a breast whole— Breast milk was free. Yeah. Yeah, but wasn't there a whole insurance loop of, of making sure it's— Health pasteurized. And, yeah, yeah, that was a big really. Deal. I don't even. I didn't even know this. <laughs> it was an issue because it's like that's not. There's no FDA check on the breast milk we got from like a friend of a friend, basically. So there was that was just like a big like insurance nightmare. It's like how can you guarantee this is clean? And then it also it has to be screened for like STIs, and things like that, to make sure like Sal wasn't getting wow. anything. I want to uh, just say that there's a few things here that's just so amazing. Yeah. My favorite part is. <laughs> with this show yes is uh, this was probably a question raised like can we just use regular milk and tell them it's breast milk in mm-hmm. which case we would all say heck no no. <laughs> no way we're not that kind of show we would never like fake a thing like that and plus like as soon as he drinks it that sweet sweet tit milk <laughs> you know he's gonna know, know the difference sal at this point you know he's like 41 or 42 at the 41 at the time He's had a lot of milks in his life, I'm sure. But he's been off breast milk for at least 40 years. Yeah. But I think as soon as you take that swig of that that memory memory sauce. (laughs) Memory sauce. You know what it is. So that's why I think it's so important that I'm glad that we, you know, figured out how to get all the STIs out of it and <laughs> give it a sell. Oh, yeah, they were there. We had, it was a big was process to get rid of it. Yeah, throw it through a Brita. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was, was the episode, the, the challenge tonight of the two-way mirror, is that an expensive day? Yeah. So that's a, that's oh, yeah. another, I guess we're, we overlooked that one. Um, yeah. Especially from an art standpoint, you know, there's. All those little vignettes and the scenes that they create is is more costumes or or props and and then you're hiring actors to to play these different roles and there's there's multiple scenes for every each turn so each guy has has different scenes and each one of those equals quite a bit of money and that's on yeah. top of like the location cost and all and it gets more expensive um, if it's your last shoot of the season and uh, maybe you have a party there. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what happened. So after a two-way mirror, we all like, you know, bro- like beers just showed up, and we just started like hanging out, and like, because uh, it was the last, yeah, last shoot of the season, actually, um, and we got into some trouble. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> two-way mirror in and of itself is is a monstrosity. You know, even if it were in the middle of the season, you have all this stuff, all these people packed into this tiny focus group, and you got to load out. Uh, so there's gonna be you know, some, some repercussions just from like all the art and all this stuff. But then, yeah, it being the last shoot, we, we, we had a fun time loading out and there was beers everywhere. I believe they said that there was spilt beer on some desks. We broke a table. There was, (laughs) there was some paint missing. So that was, that was not even, that was not even for the shoot. (laughs) We just did that for fun. Yeah. Yeah. And we like to, I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we try to leave every place in, in the best you know, manner possible, but we definitely had to put a little money into and, and elbow grease into fixing up both that location and that relationship with the, with a place that we frequently use. Yeah. This is the third time we did two way mirror. I think third, maybe fourth. Oh, maybe it's hard. I think third, I think third. Yeah. And there's also a big rule of don't get anything on the glass. Like don't get your fingerprints on the glass. Don't get the glass wet. The two way mirror glass. Yes. Because it's like, there's not many places we could do that challenge. This no. place is like the reason why we go to the same place every time is because th- th- that that technology somehow doesn't exist anywhere else. 
Yeah, it's I've the, only seen it one other place, but and that was the the Enterprise, the USS Enterprise mm-hmm. from Star Trek. Yeah, <laughs> correct. I'm the Starbridge. That's right. Um, I uh, but yeah, that's a that's a fun bit. So I I, I was I had like a little part in this, you did? which is odd because the guys were like, um, we didn't come up with this. Someone else, like our friend, did, <laughs> which was either. Like, which is not true. They 100% came up with this idea, but I think they just played it like as if it was either Sean. Uh, Sean Clush. Clush. He's like who, the best Elvis impersonator going. He, he's basically. fantastic. I, I saw him on the cruise. Yes. And he is the best Elvis impersonator by far. Yeah. That yeah. I have ever seen. How many have you seen? Uh, it's two. <laughs> oh, <laughs> one, one was a poodle dressed as Elvis okay. with a sideburn. So, no, he was fantastic. And even you, I met him that day on, on set. Um, after seeing him perform on the cruise, and he just has an Elvis vibe about him. He's 100%. like, when, when he goes off yeah. camera, he doesn't change persons. He's, he becomes Elvis. His skin looks like Elvis. He looks like Elvis, especially when you're drunk at the end of the shoot, after like a few and you're standing on a burned down table, and you're like, wow, this is really Elvis I'm talking to right now. Uh, he's great. And do you remember the original idea for this, Casey? I don't. So what did you end up doing? I, I I come in, I open up a sarcophagus, I got punched in the face. Uh, I was just yeah. sort of casted for this, but I, I, I was like, it felt like they were like, Casey came up with this idea in which if I, if I, they did let me come up with whatever idea I wanted for it, I would, mm-hmm. I'd pull out all the stops. Yeah. And so you're in the sarcophagus, right? Or no, I open it up. He's inside the king, King Tut, you know, but it's not the king. It's not King Tut. I'm, I'm making this backstory. Right. And so the, I think the original plan was for him to pants you and then sean clush <laughs> who's in tight with the elvis estate was like that i don't want to pants this guy like elvis wouldn't do that right so he's like i don't want to start a bad relationship as when he's impersonating elvis he doesn't want to do something elvis wouldn't do exactly so he's like i can karate chop him i'm not gonna pants him and so you got <laughs> saved by elvis basically i don't because know elvis would never pants anybody <laughs> yeah you didn't get pantsed on TV. I got oh. punched a couple times. I wouldn't say. <laughs> but Elvis I, knew karate. That's yeah, his, Elvis knew karate. That's, that's oh, no, no, I understand. But when you say you got saved. Saved. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather get pantsed, I think. <laughs> I would love to get pantsed, like, at any point in my life. Maybe we could have <laughs> very fun. people write, uh, hashtag Joker's podcast, would you rather be pantsed? Or would you rather be punched by an Elvis impersonator? Pants to punch, guys. Pants, pants to punch. punched. Here we go. <laughs> One so, for pants, two for punch. <laughs> so, I, yeah, that was a, my little uh, uh, five seconds. Um, and you, Cole, yeah. also were in the the part where the guys were, for Sal was out there. And, they, you know, Sal's been doing a lot of stand-up. And they mm-hmm. said, they, you know, this original idea actually was to get, like, a bunch of friends, like, stand-up friends of Sal's. like, yeah, real, like Jerry Seinfeld. <laughs> like Chris Rock. <laughs> No, like real, yeah. yeah, like the real comedians, like you know, yeah. Chris Stefano, I think, was a person or right. standups that are of either have Big been, J. Okerson, yes, Mike Fanoia, friends of of <laughs> yeah. Sal, and instead we they or they couldn't, they were busy, they were probably doing shows or something. Uh-huh. We and, spent all of our overage money on <laughs> costumes and stuff. We couldn't. Then. <laughs> Chris Gethard was another person we wanted, yeah. uh, but so we, instead we just we we made it so that it would be famous standups. So we had like a. Um, yeah, of course. We had, we had Eddie Murphy. We had Eddie Jerry Murphy. Seinfeld, played by Kevin Etherson. Uh, we had Richard Pryor. And uh, we had Gallagher. And Cole, would you like to explain who Gallagher is to everyone? <laughs> I would not. I, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had no idea who he was going in. Um, That's amazing. And the day before, I get a, I get a call from Will Faxton, our, our art director, our production designer. And, um, and he says, 
hey, would you mind shaving your beard for tomorrow? And and I had no idea. He's like, yeah, you're going to play Gallagher. And and I really didn't know who he was. So he sent me a link, and I, I, I found out the, you know, the hype behind Gallagher, the famous comedian who smashes things in he front of He smashes watermelons. That's yeah, kind of his smashes things. I have a question. Doesn't Gallagher have a beard? No, He's I think it's just like a, a fancy mustache. Just, oh, yeah, you're right. Just so I left mustache. the mustache. There's some people on set calling me, you know, can we say porn star? Like, I think you definitely, sure, you, you said you can it. Yeah. Say, yeah. Sure. You can say porn star all you want. Yeah, so yeah. I was a porn star on set for the day. I, I think I even left it for a day. Some people tried tricking me into saying it looked good and stuff. but I, <laughs> <laughs> Porn stash is the, yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Porn, yeah. Stash. porn stash. Yeah. I've never done a stash. James, you've done a stash. I've done a stash for like a shoot, basically, or like like for sketches and stuff mm. like that. I've kept it for a day or two, but then I usually shave it. I feel like I've seen you in this stash for like a little bit longer. Maybe a little maybe bit. a vacation or something? Yeah, maybe a vacation, maybe down in Miami, just hanging out. Yeah. But I don't think it's necessarily a great look. Whenever you have a mustache, it, if any of your friends, people out there, your friend has a mustache... Tell them it looks great. Get them to keep it for as long as possible, <laughs> yes. whether you like it or not. <laughs> Should we do a Movember? Should we do a Movember? Yeah. What? What's that? Uh, isn't there a charity associated with that? Yes. What's that go towards? Uh, men's rights. Men's rights. <laughs> I don't know. I'm out on Movember. Um, Danny, have you ever had a stash? Yeah, but it looks horrible. But I'll do it if you guys, you know, I'll do it in November. But it looks okay. terrible. We're doing it, Mom. My cousin Jonah has a beautiful mustache. If he's listening... It really is nice. I'm jealous. And he's younger than me, but he has a much sweeter, <clears throat> fuller mustache. Porn stash? No, it looks much better than a porn stash. Mohammed? I just started growing facial hair, so... Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Welcome <laughs> to the game. <laughs> so Mohammed's it. He's like, I haven't had the mustache yet. I'd like to take it for a spin. I'll enjoy this. Take but a little I'm, ride? Yeah. <laughs> but Cole, I just love that you had... The story I heard was someone was like, Cole, do you want to be Gallagher? And you said, Yes. Who's Gallagher? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the yes always comes yeah. first. Uh, because it was you. So it was you, Kevin Atherson. We had Terry. Mm-hmm. Terry As Thomas Eddie Murphy, was Eddie right? Murphy. Yeah. And then Craig was Richard Pryor. Oh, no. Craig no, was Richard no, Pryor at actor. the end of the day. Oh, that's right. Because right. we had an we actor. Had insert, so we, yeah, we had another actor that was in as Richard Pryor. But maybe Craig was supposed to be Richard Pryor and couldn't. Craig got stuck in an elevator. Yeah, so if you've watched After Party, right. you'll, you'll know because Craig was on it. And so Craig was stuck in an eleva- elevator and was like completely cool with it. He just like loved it. He was chill down there. He just like very chill guy. was on his phone doing his thing. Wait, so he lost his role as Richard Pryor because he was well, stuck so in the they, elevator? They, he was in an elevator and then they shut down the elevator. They shut yeah, down yeah. the elevator for an hour every day or something. So they shut down the service elevator and he was just stuck in it for an hour. Yeah. Until <laughs> and he lost his role. FDNYQ. Starts trying to get him out of the elevator. He's like, he leaves BTS and he's like, we have to help Craig here. Like, that's like the shoot comes second and like we need to like save him. And everyone else was like, no, the shoot comes first. <laughs> yeah. So the producer was like, oh, Q, get back in here. He's like, no, no, no. So Q's like going all over trying to like help Craig out. Couldn't like exactly do it all on his own. You need tools basically. Yeah. But it, I mean, that's just a thing where like, yeah, Brian Quinn, when the moment calls for it, We'll go back to you saving could, lives. You could take uh, Brian Quinn out of the fire department, but you can't take <laughs> the saving cats out of Brian Quinn. Yep. Uh, you guys want to hear a little drama? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Okay, so you know how you played 
uh, Gallagher. Mm-hmm. You know who was supposed to play Gallagher? Uh oh. You ready to hear Gallagher's this brother? Comedy, was it the first choice? Comedy producer John Zaluga was supposed to, and he turned it down. And then all night, you know, after oh, like God. we were having a few <laughs> drinks and stuff, Fire Department Q was like, well, you think you're too good to play Gallagher on my show? <laughs> on my show? And Zaluga was like, no, I just didn't want I, I, you know, I don't aspire to play Gallagher. And he was just like, oh, you should be so lucky to play Gallagher <laughs> on the two-way mirror five seconds. And he was just like, I, I just don't think I should have. And then they were like, after a few drinks, they were like, they, I mean, they were fine. They weren't like yeah. actually fighting. But it was like a big conversation that like everybody was like, all right, wh- where's the after party? Where are we going? Where are we going? And they were right. just like sitting, standing like next to each other, talking the whole time. Two-way mirror is such an insane day. You get pulled in a million different directions to – be in a bit like Zaluga was the doctor unwrapping Murr's head, right? right. Uh, which had a, a breast on top of mm-hmm. it with uh, memory sauce coming out. <laughs> memory of the top. sauce coming yeah. out. Yeah, yep. um, not authentic in that uh, in that clip. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, also the at that same time, we were doing uh, Joker's podcast downstairs with Danica McKellar. That's right. She's in oh, the that's bit. That's why when you were upstairs right. with Sean Clush being Elvis, me and Danny Green were interviewing Danica McKellar. Uh, there's a million things going on that day. I was I wasn't I was a little bummed about that. I was happy that you guys got to have that time with her. And yeah. at the time, what's just fun about doing a podcast like this is like, remember, like we were probably like, we can't tell you what we're doing, right? But now you know. Yep. So there you go. Yeah, you were it's getting beat up, uh, beat up, getting like Elvis. by Elvis, and we're hanging out with uh, with Danica, having a great time. Yeah, she seems so so nice. She is. I, yeah, like that's yeah. the thing. It wasn't even like for like the interview of it. I just wanted to like be around her spirit. You know, she's yeah. good energy. Yes, and good. I'm good at math. Um, so yeah, this is a fun two way mirror. I, you know, I sometimes when we do a thing like three times, I'm like, this has got to be the last time we do it because just as a purist, I'm like, we're always on to the next. We want new <laughs> ideas, and that way we could have yeah. new new things like that. Um, the game where they dress up and, as different people and they try. Right. To- of course, that's what the crew thought when we burned down that uh, location. Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do it four times. It's on purpose. Yeah, um, but it was a. I was I was going into it. I was like, I hope it's as good as the other two and i thought it was a, it was maybe the best one i also yeah. like there was so much dialogue um uh, for the guys that were like yeah. you know like joe being like talk to me about lunch talk to me about <laughs> breakfast like that was a fun little like that stuff is it, it you know you, you don't expect it to happen and then that makes the cut because it's just so funny <laughs> ghetto kills me man i i don't know how much of it is on the cutting room floor but any type of meal you could think of he said in like different languages he would just be like talk Talk to me about uh, El El Mazan. Is that how you say breakfast? I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. Mohammed, do you take Spanish? Uh, no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, yeah, he he went through everything. He went like, talk to me about beverages. Yeah. <laughs> talk to me about dessert. Talk to me. He like went through the entire thing. So like, yeah, we gotta we gotta take some some stuff. Hits the cutting room floor, including, yeah. you know, in the bonus features after Insider, there was a bunch of there was a, some turns. As we there's call them, yeah. behind the mirror, and so there's always stuff that's that's what's amazing about these. Not only are we are we yeah. filling up the the bit with you know the the stuff you see, but there's a lot that gets cut. And here's a great uh, question that we get a lot mm-hmm. that we'll answer right here. So in those don't laugh challenges, you see things that later on you're like are in the cutting room floor. So you're like, wait a minute, I saw them laugh in that cutting room challenge. How does this work Affect out? Affect the math. Well, basically. The way it works is the editors just take the spirit of the game and whoever actually lost it will still end up losing, but they'll just cut out some of those extra turns. So like say Sal actually laughed eight times and lost 
we'll cut it down to seeing five laughs on camera and he still ends up losing. So that's how it ends up working out when you have all this like cutting room floor footage and stuff like that. They, they play by like the spirit of the game, basically. Yeah. And in the spirit of not breaking, let's take a break. And we're back, everybody. And we're going straight to the top of the rock mm. for wedding proposals. Casey, how did you propose to your wife? Uh, it was in my apartment, uh, mm-hmm. our apartment, I should say, or <laughs> one of my many houses as Danny Green. Um, so not Top of the Rock. This is like second floor? This was second floor Okay. <laughs> uh, in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, okay. and uh, it was Christmas Eve. Mm. And I had uh, not written a speech. I didn't, write, I didn't write any kind of speeches like the guys did. Christmas was... Eve, your wife raised Jewish? Yes. Correct. Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. But so you didn't really... even know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a funny thing. People told me this after I told them that, like, I, I, I proposed on Christmas Eve. They were like, dude, if you guys, if you, if you guys divorce, she gets to keep the ring. I was like, what? And apparently if you, if you propose on like a holiday, like a gift giving holiday, like a birthday or, or a Christmas Eve oh, or something, yeah. you, that's like uh, some thing where like, the, the, I guess if you divorce, they get to keep the ring. I, I didn't cross my mind. Don't care. But that was like a thing that like two to three people told me. That's funny. Wow. Guys, it just shows good to know now for your how dedicated you are because you're like, I don't even care about that. I'm in for <laughs> the long haul. This is no yeah. refunds on this. So that's how I uh, how, how I proposed. But th- I was nothing like top of the rock. That's nice. Well, th- this is the second time we did this challenge. Uh-huh. First time was in Waikiki, Hawaii. Yes. And that was that was great because people just came up. They just saw them. And then that felt like a place to propose. Mm-hmm. And top of the rock to me. I don't think it really seems like a place to propose. I think it is a good place, but it's not the kind of place where I think, oh, I'm going to see a proposal. Whereas like in Hawaii, like you see the guy with the, with the ring. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you see somebody kind of nervous pacing around, they're holding a bouquet of flowers. Right. Maybe all of a sudden you start to like, it starts to click in your head. Like, oh, wait a minute. Somebody died here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The white bicycle. (laughs) Oh God. <laughs> and so you but no you start to think like oh like maybe maybe this is something you've seen sleepless in seattle maybe i haven't but i assume that there was yeah. a proposal <laughs> you got mail up there yeah from any tom hank a league of their own big big <laughs> yeah of course Cast away yes forrest gump too <laughs> pig in the city pig in the city what was it <laughs> Forrest Gump, two Forrest Gump two pig in the city i haven't seen all of tom hanks oh catalog. man what a mashup that would be oh uh, yeah Babe with Forrest Gump. (laughs) Yeah. But Uh, so you get there and you're just thinking, this guy is going to propose. I'm not a smart pig. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. So they're up top of the rock and, uh, you know, they they have to come up with these speeches. We help a lot with these speeches. We'll we'll help come up with ideas for them. I think Sal's speech um, Mm. did not need any help. No. Very quick. (laughs) What was it? Just marry me, bitch? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Succinct. To the point, yeah. I don't recommend anybody out there use it, even if you're a big IJ fan. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to play well. <laughs> I don't uh, know. If you're marrying, like, a female dog, uh, I feel like Yeah, for a work. dog wedding. You want to keep it short. Which I think happens. I think fans do that. Or people do that. Fans do that? Yeah, fans <laughs> always. Know, reached <laughs> Joker out. fans and dog fans. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag, uh, hashtag Joker's podcast and let us know if you've married a dog. Cole. Um, speaking of, <laughs> how is this to produce to get into the top of the rock? Yeah. I mean, there's always those locations where you kind of scratch your head and you wonder, like, why? How did they let us up here? <laughs> oh, I know how. Beautiful. The, the, how we got to top of the rock was Murr and I 
uh, every summer go out and deliver pizzas to fans uh, on a night of like a big episode. Last time we did it at the Hawaii episode. So we delivered Hawaiian pizzas Mm -hmm. to unsuspecting fans who uh, are throwing jokers parties. It's pretty complicated, but we get out there and we're like 11 o'clock at night. We're showing up in Garden City delivering uh, pineapple pizza. And one of the places we delivered it, the very nice woman whose house it was, was a uh, HR recruiter for some company that was working with Top of the Rock. And she said, would you guys ever want to shoot a Top of the Rock? So I put her in touch with Pete McPartland, the executive producer of the show, and we're glad Uh, to see a few months later you guys were shooting it. So there was some network muscle There was some network. So delivering those pineapple pizzas, uh, which is my favorite pie. Uh, that's your favorite? I love pineapple pie. Yeah. Oh, go to Ambrosino's, get the Danny Green <laughs> pineapple pie. That would be great. No Ambrosino's, if you want to do that, I will plug it every episode. Uh, How do you, would you like it with um, ham? Like no. squares of ham? Wait, what? Ham, no. Just pineapple. That's not a, that's not a Hawaiian pizza. Dude. That's a Danny Green. That's Ambrosino's. But it's what I like. I'm just letting you know, though. Okay. It's not a Hawaiian uh, pizza. Duly noted, Casey. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's halfway to Hawaii. Okay. It's a Bora Bora pizza. A, okay. Mid- <laughs> Which way are you flying to Hawaii? <laughs> uh, from, from Brazil. Yeah. Coming up through. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, just. Yeah. Just. Yeah. I got to just let you know. I got to stop you right there. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to eat the pizza the way pizza. I want it. And when no, I order the pizza. You can eat it. That's different. But you can't be like, oh, my favorite pizza is a Hawaiian pizza. That's like me being like, my favorite pizza is pepperoni pizza. Why? I call no it Hawaiian. pepperoni. <laughs> I, okay. But really, if, a Hawaiian pizza should. This is our first fight. A Hawaiian, <laughs> really, a Hawaiian pizza should have spam on it. Oh, good call. Right? Good call. That's big there. It's huge. Cole, you do not like. Yeah, I'm looking at your face right now. You do not like spam. Don't like spam. I'm going to be honest, guys. Never had it. Really? I had Me a neither. spam t-shirt in high school. Yeah. Back out of the Hot Topic spam t-shirt. We can get that for a dollar at a thrift store. Muhammad's going to be wearing that next week, the spam t-shirt. But let's jump back into this uh, challenge a little bit. I, I think this is fun. I love any any of the times that like they have to get through something that the other guys mm-hmm. wrote for them. You know, if, whether it's an email or uh, uh, like a letter, yep. you know, like, uh, can you, you know, uh, sign off on this or, you know, should I send it? That kind of stuff. I love a challenge like that. Something that they have to read and get through when they're cold reading it for the first time. That's so fun for me. Yeah, and it, it's so awkward to <laughs> yeah. watch. What are you thinking, Cole? I, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of, it's New York's premier tourist attraction. So there's, mm-hmm. you know, thousands and thousands of people cycling through every single day. Um, and we're up there saying, marry me, bitch, to people. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's pretty yeah. crazy. You're throwing that up as number one? That's the premiere? I mean, it. Yeah, it's up there. It's up there. Like if you if you visit New York City, you it actually top of the rock is crossing your train of thought at least. That is true. And I actually I used to be a tour guide on the double decker buses for this job. <laughs> Nuh-uh. And yeah, I used to tell people all the time like you can go to the top of the Empire State Building, but I think it's better to go to the top of the rock because then you can get a picture of yourself with the Empire State Building in the background, nice. which I'd probably say is the premier tourist destination in New Fun York City. Tip. And so you get that picture of you with the Empire State Building, like, bam, here I am in New York. And you get, I think you get better views, of course, Empire State Building, that sleepless in Seattle, pig in the city, um, <laughs> where Tom Hanks was. So, you know, best of both worlds, I guess, if you're on top of the rock. Wow. You know, what was amazing was the, I didn't go to set that day, but everybody who was working had these beautiful photos because the sun like was setting as they were like finishing. Oh, so grammable. And it, I mean, it was insane. Single... You go to Christine Morris's uh, Instagram. She took like some of the best photos of ever. Corn seen. nuts with a Z. 
Yeah, that's right. Corn nuts <laughs> with the Z. That's right. That's her answer. Yeah. Um, all right. Now it's time to talk about the punishment. This is an old school and practical jokers or the tenderloins comedy troupe. Yep. This is an old game they used to play when they used to improvise. They used to write a line, throw it in your pocket. In the back line, or someone says, like, read that. They pull it out of your pocket. You have to say it. Now, if you bring that to a public forum, like the highest stakes possible, like a city hall, that makes that makes life a lot more difficult for you. That game is not so much a fun game to do in front of an audience mm-hmm. that knows it's happening. They don't know that's happening. And some of the lines were incredible. It started off so well. That bald head, like the crazy ideas that yep. come out. I love that line. That, it was great. There's a bunch in this one. And... Man, this is tough. So, I mean, Cole, can you speak to a little bit? This is a real location. This is what's going on in Yonkers on this day. So much like arresting DMX. (laughs) (laughs) And I wasn't actually there this day, but much like much like Top of the Rock, it's one of those locations where you're like, you know, this has to be good. This has to be uh, what we think it's going to be. And there's a lot of legwork beforehand just in like ensuring that these people don't find out they're real people that really work up here. It's. It, and and I believe the mayor actually uh, kind of gave us his blessing. So it's all the mayor of Yonkers. Yes. Yes. Uh, so it's all very legitimate. And, and, you know, we come in and we set up before this this formal event. Um, and, and then we do our hooligans in front of all these people who really work for the city and, and, and you know, take their jobs very seriously. And, Can I ask a dumb question? What is Yonkers? What is Yonkers? Yeah. Is it like part of New York, New York City? City? Is it like a... Is it, no, it's is like it outside of a borough. It's north of the Bronx, south of Westchester, maybe even part of Westchester County. Oh, that, it's a city, right? A separate city? It's, it's its own city. Its own it's got city? its own. I believe Al- it's, it's its own city. It's yeah. its own city. It's got its own Alamo Draft House. DMX is from there. Yes, there was an OK '90s movie called The Yonkers or Lost in Yonkers. Lost in Yonkers. Lost Walking in Yonkers. It was a Neil Simon. I, I haven't. I haven't seen that either. I think it's Babe Three. I Lost think it's in Babe Yonkers. Three. <laughs> Uh, we need a bigger boat. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but Yonkers is its own, it's its own real city. And anytime we can get in with, um, a, like a city government, like it, it's fantastic for us. Like Sal senior citizen park punishment, uh, when he had a, you know, that's the old beef gristle mill yeah. punishment. That was fantastic for us. When Q had the mural, mural uh, yeah. out in Dover, Dover sucks. That was great for us. Cause mm-hmm. you have people that are there that really care. And this was the first time all these different advisory boards were meeting. So they had all these different rights that they really care deeply about. It brings up, it brings so much legitimacy to yeah. it. And that's so important. I think for our show is to have that, to, to get that legitimacy because then it just, the stakes are higher. So when you're watching at home, you're like, how did they do this? And it feels like, it feels like so much. Like I used to feel that way when I'd watch like the, uh, the Ali G show. Mm-hmm. And now I watch like we are, uh, this is our, you are, this we is, are America. We who are, is we, America? Who is who America? Is America? This is America's Donald Glover. Yeah, this is America's <laughs> Donald. Yeah. Gambino. Sorry, um, but who is America? I just watched some episodes of that, and I think if you're a fan of Jokers, you might like this. It's similar to Nathan for You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like Nathan for You to me is like one of the best shows on t- on TV in the yeah. last you know twenty years. The guys love that as well. Yeah, the guys love it. We're inspired it's on by Comedy it, Central. Sure. But USA, not UK. Actually, Nathan Fielder from Nathan for <laughs> You. Uh, he's a producer for. Who is America? All right, and you could tell there's like a there's a challenge or there's a challenge because it felt like this new the second episode of it felt a little bit like Jokers in that they had like a whole boardroom of people from Arizona and this character was pitching to them um, a mosque 
in their oh, town, yeah. and they did not like that idea. No. <laughs> no. I've got to check it out. It's on Showtime. It's on Showtime. Yeah. So, and that to me felt like kind of like a, a more, you know, uh, politically packed Impractical Jokers. Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, if, if you're if you're tired of politics, maybe don't go to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- that is the thing we hear all the time, and the guys are like, we don't want to talk about politics on the show because it like this is like an escape uh, for everybody. We'll just keep it like light and silly until we end up, unless you live in Yonkers, because then we get very into your politics and, uh, and your livelihood and your livelihood. <laughs> and James Murray comes in, uh, just dropping one liners that uh, you might not care to hear about. I was there that day for the That's shooting. Right. And what was great about it is there's this, I guess, city hall in Yonkers, and it, it's pretty empty, maybe a few people here and there. And then you walk into this room in the back, and there's like 80 people from the Joker's production staff working furiously. <laughs> and, you know, there's pizzas and there's food and there's guys worried about microphones and guys getting ready for camera. Uh, so it's very fun to see just everybody hiding in that room getting ready to shoot the scene. And the mayor, uh, like, had like his daughters, and they were, like, huge fans yeah. of the Jokers. Yeah. And they were like, we need to get a picture. Of something. <laughs> so, like, it was, the mayor was, I think the mayor, no matter what we did, would be fine as long as the guys took a, a photo with his daughters. Yeah. I think that was, like, the key. We were like, okay, make sure to do that so that he's not mad that we, you know, destroyed his credibility with all these people. But I think everyone at the end of the day, you know, they signed releases, and they were like, oh, okay, I'm glad to know that this was not real. And that always helps. I mean, when when the mayor's in on it, maybe he's not your direct boss, but whenever there's someone who's on the inside who's vouching for the show and vouching for what we're doing and, haha, it was funny, it was a joke, people always are very inclined to be like, you know, it was funny. It was, uh, we had a good time and then they, and they are more inclined to sign the, those releases and be part of our show. I mean, and this is fun because it, it feels like an old school bit for Impractical yeah. Jokers. Like, even in the first season, we would do things in front of groups where you have to give a speech. But like to give it this style of like at any at like any point we tell you to say a line, you have to say a line. And we just like stacked it full of crazy <laughs> lines. And then but like like we always want to like we said before, we always want to make things bigger and better. And so I think it, it was fun to do a big, big thing like this. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Cole, thank you so much. Closing yeah. remarks. Oh, man. Uh I'd love to come back. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, we might, maybe we'll have you back for when you have that big uh, punishment down the line. Yeah. Oh, I'd love man. to have you back. I'm scared to see the cut of it. It's, Why? You're great. It, I you don't know. great in it. I mean, it was so unexpected and, and so, you know, I was just thrown right into it and I had no expectations. If that's not a so. tease, I don't know. For those know at home, if you haven't seen Cole, he looks like a young Matt Damon. Oh. He's <laughs> a great actor <laughs> and he's an even better producer. Low budget Matt Damon. That's, that's what they call Yeah, that's Low the budget Matt Damon. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think you'll be doing Gallagher again? I hope. <laughs> I don't want to shave. I don't want to have the mustache again and, and an itchy wig. And yeah, just quite the day. Cole, thank you so much, buddy. Danny, James, Muhammad, myself, Casey Jost. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't subscribed. You can follow us. Cole, do you have any social media? Uh, yeah, I think it's Cole K. Weber. Pretty original. Okay. Just and the name on dating Instagram. sites. <laughs> dating sites. Uh, I got to reactivate Tinder, don't I? Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Especially now. Now that, there. Tinder now that everyone heard your voice for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, well, thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll be back next week. Yonkers, we love you. We love you, Yonkers. <laughs>